Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. State of mind, geez, that started pretty quickly. Usually, it takes a wee while after I press the button, I get a, a wee fright there. But anyway, uh, it's Friday. Uh, we're here to talk Celtic. My name's Laura Bradburn. I'm joined as always by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well, Laura. Yourself? I'm not too bad. And we are infiltrated by uh, another of the compatriots of both our manager and our new coach, Jared. Uh, Jared, your blokes from down under are determined to take over our club, aren't they? Nothing wrong with that, is there? <laughs> <laughs> At least we got the right colour scheme, green, white. Yeah, all our national teams are green and gold. There you go, happy days. 
True, true. Uh, there, there's, there's worse nations to be associated with, I'll give you that. Um, so plenty to talk about today, as we touched on. We've got the, the appointment of Harry Kuehl to the coaching staff. Um, that's a particularly exciting one for, ironically, for Tony up in the top top corner there. Yeah, he's been I, quite excited about it. So I, I, I'm strapping myself in. I refuse to sing the Harry Kuehl song, but you had a rendition before you came on. Uh, yeah, for any... For um, anybody watching, uh, better avoided, uh, I th- I'm afraid. I think it's a Celtic da reference, you know, Boney M, 70s disco hit and all that, you know. But, uh, if, yeah, yep, cut, we've got that. Cut, cut me some slack, I'm 50 next year, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, it, tells, uh, listen, it says it all. No accounting for taste, that's for sure. That's um, <laughs> we've got Harry Kiel to talk about Seagrass, the new signing uh, apparently our new Argentinian left back has been spotted at Glasgow Airport uh, obviously we'll go to Jared for that one because I'm sure he was hanging about there uh, at some point um, <laughs> uh, let's get started Tony we'll start with Seagrass. obviously our new goalkeeper former Dundee United goalkeeper yeah. has come in um, you were at the press conference uh, speaking to him uh, what were your first general impressions of him and what he had to say about joining the club? Confident lad, spoke very well, spoke very highly of the club, said his mind was made up after the phone call with Ange Postacoglu and I asked him directly what did he say in that phone call and he sort of said, uh, without getting into specifics, he said he was just, he said, uh, be, be prepared for special things happening at the club, sold him on the vision and the ambition he said, and he, and he said, yep, sign me up right away, it's it's going to be special. So that's what you like to hear from players who the manager's talking to, that it takes minutes into a phone call, and he's decided there and then, yep, I'm coming to Celtic. He's a free agent, he could have gone anywhere. And I, I really do think that it's a it's a class backup to Joe Hart. It's as good as Celtic could probably have got for a free agent, for backup to Joe Hart. And it wouldn't surprise me if he, he does feature quite a few games this season and pushes Joe Hart all the way because that's what Joe Hart needs and I think yeah. he'll uh, I think he'll assume the number two over Scott Bain and I've been impressed with him when I've uh, watched him in some games against uh, Celtic particularly that save that he made with his foot I think mm-hmm. it was from Jack Amakis in the, the game that Leela Bader scored in the last minute and he made reference to that and he said he was absolutely gutted and sickened by that <laughs> But the, Cel- the Celtic crowd that day uh, really created an impression on him. All the lights yeah. came on with the phones and uh, the noise. And he said the connection between the, the players and the So he said when Ange came calling, it was the ultimate no-brainer. So he wants to be part of it all. He's also desperate to play in the Champions League. So, he, you know, if you're talking about someone that ticked all the boxes and things to say and handle yourself and in the press situation, he did that. But I also think he's a talented, talented goalkeeper. And you know my thoughts, Laurie, you can't get enough talented, good players in your team. Um, before I come to, to Jared on his thoughts, I wanted to just ask you your impression of, you, you talked about him being a good backup there. And obviously, as a Dundee United goalkeeper with over 100 appearances for the club, he knows the Scottish game. Uh, Before I come to Jared, Tony, did you get the impression that he would be a guy who would be happy to play second fiddle to to Joe Hart or is he here to fight him for that that spot, do you think? First and foremost, you said he's here to work with him and not against him. As part of the goalkeepers' union, you you know you are trying to oust him from that number one slot and it's it's great competition for Joe Hart because there's a guy wanting that jersey. So he's going to try. He's, He's damnedest to 
try and cement that before the end of the season, whether he can or not. It's another thing, because I think the Celtic fans know that Joe Hart's the been the cemented number one and he's Ange's first choice goalkeeper. But I just think if you've got an able deputy, someone who could be in the fullness of time better than Joe Hart, then I think it's a wonderful thing for the club. Mm. I think, listen, we talk about it all the time. We said it before this pod started. There is never anything wrong with adding good players to your squad. And I think Seagrist has always stood out to me as one of the better keepers in the in the Scottish Premiership. So I was glad to see him unveiled and something that I didn't even know was going to happen. Um, Jared, what were your impressions and thoughts when you saw it unveiled? Had you heard much about it? Were you surprised by it? or or And, and what were your thoughts about it actually as a signing? Are you pleased that he's with us? I'm absolutely wrapped with signing because, mm-hmm. and it's for a few different reasons, but number one was the fact that I was worried with Joe Hart. Like we're going to Europe, if he was to get injured or something was to happen, a massive drop-off from him back to Scott Bain, too, too big a drop-off for me. So mm-hmm. I think that's the first issue that I think Segrist isn't as big a drop-off, if anything, and the competition that he's going to put on Bain, it's always good to have two or three guys battling out for positions. So that's the second thing. But the third, and this is my favourite one of the lot, is he was also linked with going to a certain other club. And as soon as uh, across town, and as soon as we signed him, oh, they extended Alan McGregor like that. So, um, yeah, pretty much shows that old Skintco over there were struggling a little bit and uh, couldn't get the job done and we've stitched him up. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, well, I have a, I have a certain recollection of um, a certain other player at the other end of the pitch who uh, went for a fitness uh, test across the way and uh, was rejected and came to Celtic thereafter and uh, did not too bad. So hopefully the, the, the signs are similar for that. Just looking at some of the comments, and thank you for everybody for commenting on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you're watching this. Brian says uh, Joe Hart will be some mentor for Seagrist. Um, I'm sure he will be, but I, I was surprised actually. I think Seagrist is about 30 years old, so he's got some experience under his belt of his own. So, um, And high panel, uh, David Bradley says, I think he can take the number one spot. I think we've I think we've touched on it already. Like I think competition is never going to be a bad thing um, in any case. Um, and I think, Jared, just to come back to you on that and the point you raised about Scott Bain, even if he's not, necessarily what the what you would want in between the sticks on the pitch. I think it's clear from what Ange says that he's had a massive influence in the dressing room uh, with his teammates and keeping morale up throughout the season. Is that something that you picked up from some of the stuff Ange has said at the, at the end of the season? Surprisingly, yeah. Like I didn't think he'd have as big a deal behind the scenes, but you know we have lost over the last three, four years a lot of experience out of the locker room. Like Guys like uh, Lustig goes, Brown's gone. Then you've had other guys like Tierney was a head captain us a few times. You know, then you get like Ayer had captained his previous club before he come to us. There's a lot of guys who have played a lot of games who have moved on. So if Andrew's saying that Bain, even though he's not playing, he's a bit of a leader, then okay, give him the extension. But I didn't think we needed to uh, extend him as long as we did. But yeah. I still think Toby's the future, the long-term future in the number one jersey once Hart retires. But the signing of Seagrest is going to give Toby a bit of time to develop and get into that role. Yeah, I think uh, I think I probably agree with you on that. Um, 
Tony, it's a it's an interesting one because I think what it proves from what we've been talking about, and we had a bit of a discussion before we came on air about the way the manager is approaching um his his signings, the way he's approaching things. Um Jared mentioned that you know the drop off from Joe Hart to, to Scott Bain was perhaps a little bit too high, so he's immediately brought in somebody to to bridge that gap. Are you encouraged if this is the sign of things to come of the strategies undertaken to strengthen the squad? Well, the manager said at one point, didn't he, that he wants two players for each position, doesn't he? I think that's certainly his, his MO, whether he can do that and f- fulfil that, that's neither here nor there, but he's certainly going about it the right way, isn't he? And I, and I agree with Jared to an extent. There's clearly a, he likes Bain, but maybe just doesn't trust him and probably feels the same as Jared, that there might be a drop-off if you go into Europe and you need to play Scott Bain. So I think I think every Celtic supporter would feel safer with Seagreast if uh, Joe Hart gets injured. You know, remember Joe Hart played a hell of a lot of games last last season. You know, so and you know he's not getting any younger, but he, he played a hell of a lot of games because he's a, a wonderful goalkeeper. But I think you, I think Celtic supporters are really delighted that Seagreast's there because it's just an extra layer of protection. And now the manager's going about targeting various positions to get a player that, if if not better than what you've got, is certainly an able deputy for that position. And uh, that that's the way he's working. And long may that continue. And I think the, the Celtic supporters are just, are just really excited at what's happening at the club just now and really excited to see who's coming in next. But the manager is targeting key areas that we've all spoken about, like another goalkeeper, a left-back a defensive central midfielder, possibly another striker, not another midfielder, or a, a defensive centre back. So, if we we can see that as supporters, manager can clearly see that, and he's clearly going about his business, trying to bring in as, as he's alluded to before. He's not just bringing in good players; he's bringing in good people, mm. good people that will fit into the system and fit seamlessly into what Celtic are about. Harry Kiel's an obvious example of that. He's not just brought in his mate, he's brought in a good person. He's brought in a talented uh, first-team coach. Might not have worked for him as a manager, per se, but we spoke off air and we were saying that some guys are cut out to be a first-team coach, maybe not a manager. Mm-hmm. But he's brought him in for his talent and ability uh, in that field, which is why he's here. And Harry Kuehl, in his interview, said again, I had a phone call with him. I was waiting on another job coming back because I'd been for an interview and felt really good about it. Mm-hmm. I parked that because I wanted to go. I wanted to go there. That's all you want. Everybody who speaks to hands on the phone <laughs> wants to come and work with them within a couple of minutes. And I, I guess it's testament to the manager and the vision that he's selling them, as Seagrest alluded to as well, and his ambition for Celtic. And long may that continue because if he can do that with you know, goalkeepers, coaches, and players, then you're on to a winner and you're on to a good thing. And I think mm-hmm. that's why every Celtic supporter is getting excited to see who's coming next. Oh yeah, I think it's a, uh, I think it's exciting times to be a Celtic supporter. And we will, sorry, we will get on to Harry Kuehl in a second. Um, but, oh sorry, <coughs> I'm allergic to talking about Harry Kuehl for some reason. I nearly <laughs> sneezed or something. I don't know what's happening. Um, but um, Jared, I'll come to you first. Tony mentioned that he got. Uh, connections as he has he gets sent a picture of uh, Burnaby uh, uh, or 
supposed new Argentinian left back or answer to Juan Pablo Sorin for all those uh, championship manager players out there. Uh, he was pictured at Celtic, uh, not at Celtic Park, at Glasgow Airport this morning. Um, how much have you managed to learn about him, Jared, in the in the time since we were linked with him, if anything at all? And do you think a left back is a, a priority for us? Left back is a priority because, okay, if you look just for balance to get to why I think it is, if you look at the right back position, we keep Juranovic and you got Ralston backing him up. That's two quality guys there. If you look at the left backs, what you've got Taylor. Last year when Taylor got injured, we had to play Juranovic out of position. Now, if we're in Europe, in Champions League, playing against a Real Madrid or a Liverpool or Bayern Munich or someone like that, and we have to do that again, as much as I love what Tony Rolston's doing, I don't think that's going to work well for our defensive back across the defence. So I want to get that. Two guy, two quality left backs in, so that issue is because we've got the depth there, and those two can battle it out. Because Taylor did improve as the season went along. So, first of all, Bernabe coming in, okay, great. We do need another left back who can be a European starting quality one, if he's good enough. That's to be seen. Now, from what I've seen, he looks fast defensively. I haven't seen a lot of it because the highlights don't really show you that. But the um. The thing with him, the one concern I have, and I've said it on our podcast a few times, is Greg Taylor at corners is really small and Bernabe's shorter than him. That's my one concern. If we're in the Champions League, we're defending, teams are pushing their, their centre-backs up at the corners, we're going to be too small. Hmm. That's the one issue that – but I hope I'm wrong. I hope he knows how to use his body well and – position things properly and whatever. But, yeah, we definitely need a left-back. If it's him, great. And I hope he does well. I hope he proves any concern I have wrong. Yeah, I I, I hope so as well, but I think it's a valid concern right enough. And Brown Warrior says uh, we need a left wing-back, not a left-back. If you can't see that, you need your eyes tested. Um, Tony... I'm not sure about Bernabe because I, I haven't had a chance to look into what kind of a player he is much, but I take on board Brown Warrior's point there about we're certainly going to need him to be able to attack as well as defend the way that Ange plays, I would yeah. I would guess. Isn't that right? If you've seen the highlights, really, he likes to bomb forward. Hmm. So uh, I think that ticks a, an Ange box straight away. You know, heights, a lack of heights always a concern, especially when you play against the top teams in Europe. But again, if this is a boy that's been scouted by Ange and his system and the way he plays, then he, you know the way he, he scouts players. He, he, he envisions them in the team, you know, in his mind he has them in the team and what role they'll fill and what function they'll perform. So I, I can only imagine that Ange has watched this guy or been, and, and scouted this guy and thought, yeah, he can do a job for my team. You know, so I... I agree with Jared to the extent that I hope height or lack of will not become an issue and that won't be targeted. But, yeah, certainly the way, uh, if you look at him in the, in the highlights reel that it's shown, he, he, he gets forward a lot and, uh, you know, he, he likes to try and set up goals and even try and score goals. And, you know, and you saw he's he's got from that sort of his last game he went out in a Zinedine Zidane blaze of glory, didn't he? Yes. Uh, by kind of the head-butting motion. So he's clearly got a bit about him and 
won't take any prisoners, and that was kind of very innocuous, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It wasn't as if you know, just kind of a shove, but that's something that aggression, which is fine, but has to be channeled in in the right way. And I'm sure Angel let him know in no uncertain terms that can't be doing that in Glasgow, regardless of what happens and what people do, you know. But he's young. What is he? Nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's nineteen. So he's 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 been scouted, targeted, and he's probably going to sign for a reason. So, like everybody else, you can see highlights real and they can look good. You will form a better judgment and opinion once you see them in the flesh. But, you know, you trust the manager in these situations. Mm-hmm. He's not got a, a signing wrong yet, has he? He's not put a foot wrong and he steps into the transfer market yet. So, if this is another one that he's identified, then bring him on. Let's see what he's got. And as an attacking fullback, I, I think he's. I like Greg Chill and I think he had a wonderful end to the campaign but it's like everything else you, you need healthy competition and you need players who naturally fit that position and Bernabe I think is coming in to be a first choice left back we yeah. can see how that pans out yeah, uh, regardless of, of whether he's first choice or second choice, I've always said I thought Greg Taylor is more than competent domestically. So if we've even got the, the choice of of him or Bernabe domestically and then Bernabe to take that step up in, in quality for Europe, then uh, then it stands us in good stead. Um, and I certainly hope that's the case. Robert Heinland says, uh, hi guys, can't stay on chat long, battery about to die, continue to watch on the TV. So if you are watching on the TV, Robert, thank you for making the switch. That's uh, that's the kind of commitment we love to see. I do, I do find it weird getting pictures sent to me of folks saying, I've got you on the TV in the house. Like I, that still blows my mind a little bit, but we appreciate everybody for watching. Um, we're going to move on to the bit everybody wants to talk about, the bit Tony wants to talk about, the bit Jared wants to talk about, the bit that my 12-year-old heart wants to talk about. Harry Kuehl is in some capacity associated with Celtic. The dream has come true. <laughs> um, Tony, I'll come to you first. Uh, we talked about it before. He's had a less than uh, illustrious career as a manager uh, around the lower leagues down in England. And, and I think there was some legitimate concern uh, raised by some people that that might mean that he's not necessarily the type of candidate we want in the coaching staff at Celtic. But listening to him speak in the, in the Celtic TV interview um, and knowing what we know about the difference between being a coach and being a manager... Um, I'm sure, as you've said before, Ange wouldn't have brought him in if he didn't see that he was fit for the job, surely? No, not the slightest. Uh, Harry Kuehl clearly has uh, coaching ability. And I'm basing it on, I conducted an interview with Davis Caleb Dunn. He mm-hmm. played for Ross County and Falkirk, but he also played under Harry Kuehl at Oldham for a year. And he said Harry Kuehl was a top-notch coach. He yep. was fantastic to work with. He improved his game because he, he put in a lot of one-to-one time with him. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, he said, if Jota signs for Celtic, Harry Kuehl will beat his claws into him and he will improve Jota. Now, I don't know about you, but I happen to think Jota's a bit of a player. So if Harry, P- Harry Kuehl can improve Jota, then what a wonderful asset Celtic will have on their hands by the end of his uh, contract, if and when. Announce Jota, he signs for Celtic, right? <laughs> so, uh, so going by that, he, he also said that Harry Kuehl was a perfectionist he was a last off the training ground and he never stopped and he can still kick it 
because he was one of the best at the, the five-a-side training games. So they led by example. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds to me, that all sounds very familiar, doesn't it? A perfectionist, uh, you know, last off the training ground doesn't stop. So yeah. I was like, yeah. But Ange isn't bringing in his mate. He's bringing in Harry Kuehl on his coaching ability. Some people are natural first-team coaches, might not be natural managers, but I'm taking it from a player who's worked under him, who had nothing, uh, who spoke only uh, spoke very highly of him and loved playing under him. I think he said that Oldham were the second highest scorers mm-hmm. in the division when when Harry was there, and uh, they was just all emphasis on attack, and uh, they they lost a lot of goals as well. He said, but he said they were just full steam ahead going forward, and he also said that Harry would benefit from working with a better calibre of footballer. And he's saying he's going to work at a club like Celtic. The, the step up is probably something that Harry needs as well. And he said, no disrespect to Oldham and Crawley and the teams that Notts County, the teams he'd managed. He said, maybe this is a stage that Harry craved and Harry needed. He said, and, and because of the familiarity with Ange Postacoglu, he, he said it's a, it's a win-win and it'll fit in seamlessly. So I'm hoping that's the case. And, uh, you know, you... You speak to a lot of people about you know what the likes of Harry Kuehl will bring, but to speak to a player that played under him for a year and he said all of those, it was a glowing report. So mm. I was thinking, great, get him in. And then when Harry himself spoke, another one, he sort of thought, you have a bit about you. He was a wonderfully gifted footballer, Harry Kuehl. I think everybody remembers him from his Leeds and Liverpool days and very successful and playing for the, the Socceroos. And he was just one of those graceful and joyful players to watch around about that time there was like Harry Kuehl there was Tim Cahill uh, various others that you enjoyed watching them mm-hmm. so yeah I just hope that he can bring some of that magic dust to first team coaching at Celtic because it's a win-win really isn't it and as I say yeah. anyone that can improve Jota in his present state yeah that, I'm, I'm all for that yeah absolutely about, about Jota there Tony but I'm more I'm more looking at going imagine him getting his claws into a barter that's the one I'm more excited about. Yeah, yeah. yeah any other I, the, when Davis Keller done spoke, he said particularly the forward players, he said he will improve them because he'll give them a lot of one one to one time. So you look if he can improve all of them: Abada, Kyogo, Jack, and Marcus, Jota. I mean, if he improves, if he improves them all, that, that's going to be pretty formidable, isn't it? So, uh, as I say, I'm only going on what he said, and he said and Davis Keller done said he improved his game. So if someone telling you that he did that uh, on a training pitch, then you think to yourself, okay, you've got a valuable asset. But, I mean, I'm delighted that Harry Kuehl's in. I'm delighted that Ange's brought in somebody that he wanted. And uh, and, th- and there is the familiarity, they know each other. But, as I say, he- he's not there because of the Australian connection alone. He's there because Ange believes he can add uh, something to the first-team coaching staff. And he has has undeniable quality in the coaching realm. So, uh, I, I, again, it's a win-win for Celtic. Yeah. Um, Lucy uh, is obviously from the same school I thought as me. He says, uh, handsome Harry, which uh, no doubt he is. Aging like a fine wine as well, if the recent interviews end to go by. But anyway, enough about my thoughts on Harry Kuehl. Let's keep <laughs> it to the f- football. Um, Jared, Tony mentioned it there. 
And Harry Kuehl actually said it in the interview. He's very excited to be at a club of this size. It's been a long time since he's been at a club of this size with the, the calibre of players he's got. There's no doubt he's a Champions League winner with Liverpool, reached the Champions League semi-final with, with Leeds. Um, don't forget the Turkish Cup win with Galatasaray as well. Very um, successful player uh, during his career. Surely if he can translate even half of that from his playing career to his, to his coaching career, then we're in for something exciting. You, as a as an Australian, a follower of the Socceroos, will remember Harry Kuehl probably better than most at his peak. What's your thoughts on him being a Celtic uh, being a Celtic coach now? It's like my childhood dreams come true because I always <laughs> wanted to be a Celtic. Like, uh, you, you see the old Leeds teams when it was him and Viduka together, and we'd see that in Australia, we'd see that at Leeds, and I was like, why couldn't it have been the other way around? Why couldn't Viduka wanted to stay at Celtic? Harry come up there, and we absolutely tore the tore the joint up. Like, love Harry Kuehl is our best ever footballer that Australia has produced, without doubt. Um, to me, it's yeah, as you said, Laura, if he can be half as good a manager as he was as a player, then or as a coach, then we're on to a winner there. But the other thing is Tony was saying that like he didn't bring mates in or whatever. Harry in his interview was saying that he um that he was talking to Ange and Ange was actually monitoring his career, which he didn't even know that was happening. So shows that Ange knows is an all seeing eye. He's got he's the oracle of Australian football basically and it's keeping an eye on him, which is good to see. But yeah, it's like it's not like they're mates. They've never worked together. Like they've never, Ange's never managed him. They've never, they never like played together because of the age differences and everything. It was, so there's there's no thing there other than Ange called him up because he's a good coach and he wanted him at his club, the club where he's working. He's not bringing him in because jobs for the boys, which is mm. something that I love seeing because how much jobs for the boys have we had at Celtic in the last mm. couple of decades? And then on the last decade in particular, to have another Aussie coming into the club, great, happy days. Yeah, I um, I, I, I really think that we talk about it enough. We've talked about it on the pitch and it applies to off the pitch as well. If you're adding quality uh, to any of the, the bits of the club that affect the on-pitch performance, then you really can't go wrong with it. Um, Tony, it's a... It's an interesting one in terms of what it tells me about Ange's long-term plans. I mean, I don't think he would be bringing somebody like Harry Kuehl in who presumably, you know, lived nowhere near Glasgow, had no base here or anything like that. I don't think he would be um, pulling people in left, right and centre on and off the pitch if he didn't have a plan for the future. Am I being too optimistic here or do you think he's really trying to set up for a you know, a, a dynasty of sorts. He's always thinking ahead, isn't he? I'm actually gobsmacked at Jared. Gobsmacked. He was almost rendered speechless. I would have thought that Harry Kuehl is now in at Celtic. You know, H-E-R-O hero. But, uh, yeah, it's... I think uh, Jared said it there. He used a great word. He's a, and he's a football oracle. He just knows a lot, doesn't he? He's, mm. he's one of the most knowledgeable managers you've heard speak in a long, long time. And and when he does speak, you listen now. You listen intently. You pick up on various things, the subtle nuances. Yeah, you told us, Jared. Get that. <laughs> but you know it's uh, you know. But I, I just he has he has the Celtic supporters in the palm of his hand now. He can do no wrong, which is fine. 
up until a point. Uh, but he's he's backed it up because he's been very successful. And he is planning ahead. He, you know, the start line of course is continues to build the beautiful house. That's what he's mm. doing. He's getting all the you know, the building work in, in place. You know, he, he probably succeeded expectation or his own expectation. Uh, because Jared said that usually the second season where his teams kind of came to the boil and they started to motor. But I think very early on, Ange got a sense of this title was up for grabs in, in the sense that once he had his team playing the way he wanted, you know, he was always thinking ahead. Even in the early days, September, October, when he referenced it a lot of the times when he said we'd, we'd lost three out of first seven, I mm. realised we'd have to be perfect. But he kept saying, when I get players in in January... He knew exactly what he was doing. He was thinking we can limp on and just, you know, keep winning games until January, and you'll see a big difference. Then he told you that he was preparing his teams to be involved in when the trophies were handed out, which they which they were. You know, so he's been signposting it all along. So the, and then he was saying uh, we'll, we'll improve the squad, and then he was asked constantly asked about backroom members, and he said, "Yep." He said, "Well, we'll what?" We'll work on that as we're going along. Hence, Harry Kuehl comes in. You know, so he's telling you, just dropping those subtle hints that, yep, you know, leave it with me, trust me, trust the process. But I was saying the other day, we've moved away from trust the process because you trust the manager implicitly now. We need a new slogan for trust the process. Maybe Jared can come up with one or the, the, the commenters can come up with the viewers. But cause I think we're beyond that now. We do trust the manager. He, as I say, He's one of the few managers who... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You, you have seem to have full autonomy when it comes to all the football decisions. And the men upstairs are trusting his judgment, and I think that's a great thing. And I think Ange likes working with those parameters, and he he likes working with the board that he has. Mm. And he's and he's not made many wrong calls, as far as the football side of the operation goes. Jared would be able to tell you that himself, and and very rarely does or has in any football management job that he he's taken on. So I'm at the I'm I'm in the position now where I love listening to him. I love listening to what he says, and anybody that he brings in has been brought for a reason. They will improve your football club, and there is a, a long-term strategy moving forward that it's not a temporary fix. This is something, as you say, dynasties are big words, but maybe mm. an extended period of dominance I'll go for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, you know? we'll, re- we'll, we'll uh, rein uh, it into uh, that. Uh, another extended period of dominance, and I think Jared, 
mentioned that very early on that, that that's the way he likes to, to do things. Well, we did say to you, um, okay, he knows what he's doing and at the end of the first season, that's when he'll make his changes to his support staff to the yeah. South back of house. I did say that to you, Tony. You so. did, uh, you did. Uh, right, I did big you up. I did see you told us. So yeah, it's, uh, it he, likes to, he likes to work with what he has and then make yeah, the changes, and doesn't go, he? Yeah. And then go, okay, this bloke is better suited for this role in how I want to build it. This guy can do that job for us. Cool, let's move that now. Let's get other people in. So that's what he's done. And it makes sense that he works well that way because the system over here, you don't have so many coaches and mm. back at staff and that because it's all salary cap. There's not a lot of money in the A-League. So he's used to coming in and having to get value for every cent that he spends and yeah. have two assistant coaches with him and a goalkeeping coach and that's and a physio. That's about it. So he's used to working limited. So the fact that he can come in, oh, there we go, we're becoming the Vegemite army in the comments. <laughs> <That's pretty much. laughs> so can, we, can we change that men at work then to Oracle at work, Jared? Can that, is that what we can say? Sounds like a plan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to everybody in the comments, the second half of the show, I thought what we would do today is if you're at all interested in our opinions on things, if you've got any Celtic-related questions you want to ask us, either about current goings-on or, or things in the past, then feel free to get your, your questions in and we'll do our best to answer them. But while we're waiting on those coming in, Jared, um, you mentioned it there. Uh, Tony's talked about it. Um are things going pretty much the way you expected in terms of Andrew's usual time scale, his usual time frame, the way that he likes to do things, or is he doing anything slightly differently that you wouldn't have expected um, given this point in his, his Celtic managerial career? On the pitch, we're ahead of schedule because, as, mm-hmm. we, as I said previously, the way Andrew even said it himself last season was like two seasons for him, like the A-League, we play 30, 36 games total or whatever, Played almost 50, 50 to 60 games, so it's the equivalent of two. So we're ahead of schedule on that side of it. So the rebuild, now it's a retooling and, you know, make a few additions here, a few subtractions, move people on, rather than having a massive overhaul. We need another 10 players in again. So we're ahead of where I thought we'd be at this point in time. In terms of the off-the-pitch stuff, I think we're pretty much spot on. Like, he's making adjustments, but... We've just got to tie the, the B team in, and the youth academy a bit more into the way Ange and the first team are playing so that if someone in the B team, they're used to the sort of training loads and the style of play and all that. So if someone has to come in, they know, okay, in this situation, I press here. In this situation, I hold here. I go and support my teammate. So it's just the football's the same. You get in there and it's just a matter of getting an opportunity. I think we need to improve that side of it more. That's where it is now. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I I think I'm encouraged by what I see in terms of. I don't know what his usual timescale of working is, but but certainly he um he looks like he's working methodically as we've come to expect from him, which is is the least we can we can expect. Um, Tony, I think I think Jared raised a good point there about the B team as well. Um, you know, I I've. I th- expected, perhaps not because it was the first season, but I did expect a little bit more integration, a little bit more back and forth between the players that are in the B team and the and the senior team, and for it to be treated more like a development squad than it seems it has been so far. Are you expecting, as time goes on, perhaps we'll see this season, that, that there is going to be a bit more um, 
you know, obviously taking into account restrictions that apply, that there is going to be a bit more involvement from some of the B team players uh, in the in the first team squad than there has been so far. Well, as Jared alluded to there, that there's a tweak, right? Steve McManus is now going to work with the B team, right? So he's going there for a reason to make these guys oven ready. That you know the the B team is going to emulate the first team now, in in every mm. training session, every training schedule, so that when they make that step up, that it's not a, a difference in class. You know, they just they are coming in and doing things that are natural to them. You know, I think when when Ange Postecoglou came in at first, his immediate priority was the first team, hauling Celtic off the canvas and getting them back to winning ways again but with an eye, because he's always got an eye on the future, on what was happening in the B team. And he drafted a couple in, and you saw the likes of uh, Dawson at St Johnston Boxing Day that day. You know, a couple mm. came in and that, that merited their spot, and others came in because of the injury situation. You know, and you maybe thought at times, OK, are they ready? Possibly not. So he was learning then, saying, right, as we're moving along, I'm going to address that. And as Jared said, that's the he clearly does that. The second season brings in coaches and then turns his attention to. But he had been alluding to it that he didn't want the step up to be such a gulf between the B team and the first team. And I think now you'll see any B team player coming into the Celtic first team. One will be there in merit, and they'll be doing all the things that the first team guys are doing. So they should be ready to cope with the demands of of first-team football if and when they're, they're drafted in and, and given a slot. But you might see more of it because he might be able to himself trust his own processes because there's now they're now in sync, whereas maybe it was a bit disjointed last season because his attention was really on the first team but had his eye on what was going on everywhere else. But I think first and foremost, he wanted to get a settled Celtic side that could compete for that title and win the title, known full well how important it was to get the Champions League money and automatic access into the Champions League group stages. But the tweaks that he's made have been done for a reason now. He's now all seeing the, the oracle, as Jared calls him, and everything is now falling into place the way he wanted it, possibly ahead of schedule. But you mm. better been ahead of schedule than being behind the eight ball, aren't you? No, absolutely. Um, James Donnelly says Ange is going to be with us for years. The old Bordeaux manager Guy Roux was with him for 32, get Ange on a 30-year deal. I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And um, yeah, I think that's that's fair. Do you know something? I knew it, guys. I knew I shouldn't have asked people to send their questions in because I've absolutely set ourselves up. Red Scotland says, uh, Jared, is it kangaroo ears you've got? And uh, where was the other one? Uh yeah, there, there you go. Dermot Celtic Rabito is Tony's wardrobe a TARDIS and is he in it? Yeah. And then the last one, which was quite good here, is Brown Warrior. Will too many Aussies come into Celtic, turn the club upside down? Boom, boom, <laughs> Brown Warrior. No, some some, some serious questions, folks. Come on. Can answer the uh, last one, right? I'll just make the toilets flush the wrong way. <laughs> oh, uh, do you know, I, I don't even know... I don't even know if that... I, I'd love to come to Australia just to flush a toilet. I don't know if it flushes the wrong way or not, but it's interesting enough anyway. I don't even know if I know what way they flush here, to be honest, but there's and, better and, things to discuss than that. And, and obviously, <laughs> the, the wardrobe references the room that I'm usually in. I'm in the yes. mothership today, so... But uh, on the other pod I do daily, they, they all want to see inside the wardrobe. 
and I told them I'm old fashioned that way. I keep closing it. I don't know what the big secret <laughs> is, but, but, but I have told them that it's an Oscar winning wardrobe. You know, because I mean? it's like he's been in every pod I think I've ever done. So yeah, it's uh, it's become this kind of Tony's wardrobe, the mystique behind the wardrobe doors. But mm. trust me, it's just shirts and cardigans and, <laughs> and and jumpers. It's not. It's nothing exciting. Listen, that's what we need. We need a, a dedicated Axon video, uh, Tony's wardrobe <laughs> tour, and see what we can find in it. But uh, that, that's for another day. Um, Callum, I'll come to you on this one first. Callum Hardy says, just off the back of the B-team discussion that we had, um, we need to get a reserve league back. Uh, ridiculous that there isn't one. What What's your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that that would... I, personally, I think it would stand the whole league in better stead to have a reserve league because it isn't just Celtic and Rangers that would have reserve teams, obviously. My, my one downside about the B-team situation is that it's only Celtic and Rangers potentially benefiting from it. What's your thoughts on if they found the funding from somewhere bringing a, a reserve league back for, for, for clubs? How would that benefit us, do you think? Was that for me, Laura? Sorry, uh, Jared, Jared. Sorry, yeah. Start with Jared. Um, I think it, in theory, it's a good idea. Practicality, probably not, because like you get through the middle of the season, all through December, January, February, March, and the the ground. Some of them look like goat tracks. They're all just ripped up and all sorts. So, if you're going to have all, all these teams playing, like you look at St Johnston, for instance, not trying to pick on them, but their pitch has been shocking the last two years. And if they have a reserve team playing on the same pitch, because do you see them having another pitch that their reserves can play at? I don't. So mm. that's just going to cause even more issues on that, sort, on that sort of thing. So I don't know. Like, yes, it'll be good overall in terms of football, but bad in terms of unless the infrastructure is properly around each club where they've got another pitch they can use for them or, you know, there's – better quality than, I don't know, better quality of pitches, better quality of physio, and the clubs have the finances to pay the players, then I don't know if it's worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, uh, Elfin Priest says, did Hearts B not join the Lowland League for 2022-23 as well? I think they did. Um, they did, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there is a potential that it's going to benefit more than Celtic and Rangers, obviously. Tony, you... you um, not to not to uh, insult you too much. You are old enough to remember a time when <laughs> reserve league was very much part of the Scottish game. Um, do we romanticise things? Do you think? Do we? Do you think we're harking back to a time where, it, you know, just for for the sake of going back in time, we want the reserve league back with no real benefit? Or do you think there was benefit to the reserve league that oh, the game the, is missing today? There was wonderful benefits from the reserve league. You look at the Celtic players that. Graduated into the first team from playing reserve league football. You know the crowds that you used to get for Celtic Rangers reserve league matches were quite astronomical. I know it's a different time, but the premise was the same. The premise was to promote your up and coming youngsters and give them a taste of what it was what first team football would be like before they take that step up. Mm. And the reserve league was a brilliant practice, but I think as Jared says, the practicalities of now getting it back just and the cost would probably far outweigh the. You know, it, it, it's merits. It's a shame. It, it does belong to, you know, history, sadly. But a lot of Celtic players came through the reserve side, and, you know, there was a lot of emphasis on clubs with reserve teams because their fixtures mirrored the first team. 
So it was always, you know, Celtic were playing Rangers, Celtic reserves were playing Rangers reserves, Celtic were playing Partick Thistle, they were playing Partick, you know, so there was always that kind of, there was something special about it, you know, and I, and I just think it's a time that's come and gone in Scottish football, uh, and the closest thing you are getting to it is maybe the Lowland B league teams where it's competitive football, and that's, you know, it's a step in the right direction, but I still think the gap's too much at times, mm. and and you're never going to replace that unless you bring back a reserve league, but, you know, someone in the comments said that it, you just can't finance that, sadly, yeah. but uh, there is there is a kind of, you know, mystical reverence about it all, where the, the fixtures mirrored each other and all that, you know, and you know, a lot of people, when they couldn't go to away matches, went to watch the reserve team, and sadly, it's a practice that's gone from Scottish football, and I'd like to see that kind of come back, uh, but uh, it's a shame, because the result, you know, in the know, people could tell you the next big thing mm. coming through, so people who'd watched the likes of Charlie Nicholas, Danny Craney, you know, these kind of guys back back in the day, if, if you're going <laughs> to question my age, and <laughs> People like that coming through the setup, you know, they were saying, "Oh, there's a young kid here. You should look out for him." That kind of stuff, you know, and maybe making it more relevant. Aidan McGeady was making waves very early mm. in his Celtic career at various unders. Callum McGregor the same to bring it kind of right up to date. So, you know, that that kind of practice and skills and just you know, way of Scottish football mm. life is sadly lost, and it's in the ether, and it, and it ain't returning. Yeah, um, Urban Culture it was that said the Reserve League won't return, clubs have yeah. no money, which is I think what we touched I, on. I Brown Warrior, you're, you're on a roll today uh, with your comments. It uh, says now players coming in, uh, coming back from injury uh, got a few games to ease back yeah. into it, which I think is a, a fair point as well. Jared, uh, it's an interesting point Brown Warrior raises there. I mean, I think we've seen... A few instances, James Forrest and Christopher Julian spring to mind of players who who appear to have struggled to go over injuries, perhaps in part due to the fact that they've not been able to have very much match practice without the reserve leagues in place. Um, do you think, given our injury records the last few seasons and things like that, that that is something that's going to continue to hinder us going forward? Or are you hoping for for an improvement on that front? I'd hope it improves. Um, if there was the reserve leg, yeah, it makes sense to bring guys back through that. However... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. On the return of injury side of it, what worries me is if we did say we did bring back the leak, Reserve League, 
how many clubs are going to want to go plastic pitches? You know what I'm saying earlier about pitches breaking down. We want to get away from plastic pitches. Now, you've got guys like Julian coming back from an injury, and if he was to play a bunch of games on a plastic pitch coming back from his injuries, it wouldn't be good for him. So I'm just thinking that. But ideally, we need a way to get guys, run, runs in guys' legs, bounce games, whatever, so that guys can play a few games before they look to come into it. Because, yeah, I think that would have helped Jamesy Forrest. Would have helped Mikey Johnson. If we if there was a reserve league, it would have helped Karamoko before mm. he got hurt last season. There's just a whole bunch of players there that I can – I could rattle up probably another three or four if I wanted to, but there needs to be a way to develop and get guys back so they're getting a few games in the legs before they come back into the first-team squad. Like, you don't want to be bringing people straight back in from the cold. Mm. That's how they get injured again. So, yeah. Plastic pitches in the way and a reserve league, unfortunately, unless there's more money in the league, then that's not the way either. Yeah. Um, Tony, uh, Frank Kennedy says here, um, why do the rest of the teams in the SPFL not complain about the plastic pitches? I can understand the need for it for finance, but it makes our league look amateurish. I don't know that I don't know that the rest of the teams don't complain about it. It's perhaps that we just don't you know, we're not involved in those conversations with fans. So I don't know what the other clubs' uh, opinions are. But what do you make of the point that, that Jared raises about, you know, the link between plastic pitches and potential injury balanced up against, obviously, the fact that we are in Scotland and, and weather might dictate that they're necessary? Well, you can bracket uh, Frank's comment there. I can understand the need for finance. That's it in a nutshell. Mm. You know, clubs like Hamilton Ackies and Kilmarnock, Previously, Dunfermline, Livingston need plastic pitches because they're a vital source of income and revenue. And until they're outlawed or they're banned, then they're, they're going to keep with them. It, it doesn't make for a happy campers in, in the league with the rest of the teams. It doesn't sit well with them. There's better plastic than others, you know, but ultimately it's not ideal for players to be training or playing on it, but it's a, a kind of necessary evil for some clubs. And that's, that's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, they, they will persevere with them until they're told that they can't use them anymore. But I'm of the opinion that in no league, in no top-flight league in European football should there be plastic pitches. It's just my own thoughts. I've always felt like that. I think there's enough evidence to suggest that they cause injuries and they're not good for players' uh, limbs long-term. So mm. I, I, uh, I would outlaw them. But... UEFA have said they're, they're good to go in clubs and it's a vital revenue stream for them. So, I, I, you know, you cannot deny the likes of Hamilton, Kilmarnock, Livingston or whoever wants to have a plastic pitch if it's bringing in uh, vital finance, as Frank said in that. And that's the biggest argument there. You know, with those words, I can, under, I can understand the finance argument too. And, you know, how unless UEFA step in and say, no, every top flight league in Europe, you must play in grass. Then they're here to stay, sadly. But I agree with Jared. I just, you know, some some of the state of the plastic pitches, especially the Livingston one, you you witnessed it for yourself, or the the pellets rise up. You know, mm. you see the ball bounce and stuff, and it's like playing five or sides down the the pits league. Uh, if you've ever played five or side in a pits league it's, in Glasgow, like you, know, you you know all about it. You know, so yeah. It's like what they used to indoor futsal over here, Tony. Yes, indeed. You know, but yeah, you know, in some in the early uh, 
plastic synthetic pitches. It was just painted concrete, really. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, you, you, you know, we've moved on since then, and it's as synthetic as you can get. But it's still no idea. I defy anybody to tell me that they've witnessed a, a decent game of football on a synthetic pitch. You know, n- none spring to mind. I mean, there will be somebody who'll dig out and say this was a great game, and you know, but I've never seen a good game on, and I think it spoils it as a contest. Yeah. You know, uh, but you you have to learn to deal with it. But as for bringing back players and integrating them back into a first team and getting them game time, they shouldn't be playing on plastic if, if that's what you're doing and nursing them back from injury because I think it's, it's it's potentially putting them at risk again. Yeah. Um, Jared, is it is it something that, you know, is a European exclusive thing in your experience? I know that obviously um, Australia has a lot of outdoor sports and obviously the situation with weather there is slightly different, but... Speaking from the finance point of view, is there a lot of plastic pitches out there, either for soccer or for cricket or for anything like that, or is it something that's quite alien to you um, from over that side of the world? It's starting to creep in a bit, um, not at the pro level or anything like that, but like a lot of the primary schools now, their they're yards where you used to have like a footy oval that was grass or whatever is now, you know, the plastic pitch sort of thing with running tracks on it and that sort of that. And then you look at some of the um, other domestic clubs, like there's the club that just won the A-League, Western United. Mm. Their training base is about 10 minutes from my house over here. And mm. they've got two grass pitches that they train on, but then behind their change rooms, there's two plastic pitches there. Right. And on the weekend, they have like a local club players on the grass pitch in their seniors, reserves, women's, all that. But then their juniors play on the plastic. So, I don't know. To be honest with you, it's it's there, but it's not as prolific because it's not at the professional level or even the next tier down at the NPL level. Mm. I think I think I'd be more concerned if if the team were training on a plastic pitch than I would be a one-off game on a plastic pitch. To be honest, so I'm glad that 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 doesn't seem to have have spread with any great um uh with, it, with any great strength in the Scottish game, but. Uh, it's not something we're going to solve today, that's for sure. Um, Tony, to close out the show, we've talked about some of the moves Ange has made, some of the changes that have been made at the club. Um, what are your expectations over the next couple of weeks? Like, Are you expecting much more movement, many more players in the Announce door? Announce Jota. Or? Yeah. Announce <laughs> Jota so I can save. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's a difficult one. I, like... Uh, to, to, to come to that point, Tony, actually, we talked about it. My personal opinion on the Jota situation is it's going to get done. I'm not yeah. particularly worried about it. I'm looking at other things. Am I wrong yeah. to take that view no, on it? No, not in the slightest. I'm, I'm being very flippant. I mm. think a lot of Celtic supporters are just are hoping this is the Good Friday when Celtic announce Jota. But if, if not, it will rumble on. But he will come. All the signs are that it's going to happen. So... I'm relaxed about that. As to what happens in the future, well, Bernabe coming in as well. You know, you saw the pictures of him in Glasgow, so that's clear the indication that that's almost done and dusted. And I'm sure he will be a Celtic player in the fullness of time. Another one bubbling away that was credited with an interest was Ben Davis, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. From from Liverpool. Now it's been a fee of four million, allegedly quoted it somewhere in the. Twitter sphere and a lot of Celtic supporters' opinions are divided on that. 
that he had the chance to come before and you know they wouldn't go there again but again if it's somebody that Ange has watched is aware of and likes then he's not here to please people he said he's not here to entertain people he's here to bring in good people and good players to the football club so if Celtic want to pursue that then they will I don't know where you stand on players being given a second chance to to come to the club having said no the first time but he said no to join Liverpool through that point where English Premier League champions and were going on to become European champions so you know that's players have decisions to make in life he didn't play not being wise after the event but most people could have told him that but he wasn't coming from any kind of uh, standpoint that he knew about Celtic or you know he had no Celtic connection at all so why why would he choose Celtic over Liverpool at that mm. juncture in his career now I think under Ange Ange's made Celtic a very viable option for a lot of players so that's one that might bubble away might come to something might come to nothing but as Jared said we are now working towards uh, getting players uh, decent players and backups for every position, which is happening to watch. You know, there's other players that, you know, you can talk about all sorts of players that have been linked with Celtic for the next five minutes, whether they come or not. But again, I trust the manager to bring in the right players and uh, who'll make a valid contribution. As I said at the top of the programme, it's, it's just an exciting time. Celtic fans are beside themselves as to who's coming in next and where they'll fit into the team and the system and who's going to play and who's going to do what but uh, I think for a first time in a long long time can't wait for the season to start can't wait to see the Champions League group Just the fans just can't wait they're, they're at the edge of their seat they, they want it to start tomorrow you know mm. and they, they get the feeling that something good's happening under Ange Postacoglu as Jared told us it would oh ye of little faith Tony <laughs> but, uh, uh, there you go uh, but you know and, and part of that is bringing in quality football players to your team and that's what's happening right now and when was the last time you were so excited about a transfer window that one player had Celtic fans and raptures and daily postings and daily t- hourly tweets minute tweets you know get this deal done get this deal done that is just a sign of the excitement and the buzz that Ange Postacoglu has created and, and it's fantastic. Long may it continue. Yeah, uh, Jared, I think Tony raises a good point in terms of the change of attitude amongst the support. I think after the two years before last season, I think we were all looking forward to the summer to get a break from Celtic, whereas it's the, the other way around now. We're, we're, they're maybe getting a bit of a break from us and we're, we're dying for them to come back. Have you... Have you been aware, obviously you have to put in a lot of effort to, to follow the club from, from so far away, but are you aware of you know the change amongst the support as a whole in terms of the feeling about the club, the feeling and the attitude towards the, the management team and, and how how attitudes have changed to be a lot more positive? It's pretty obvious because the connection of like the Holy Trinity, we talk about the players managers, the fans, that three become basically rein, reinvigorated that connection last season. Everyone in that team just so likable. The coaching staff are likable. 
even even Kennedy and Strachan, we didn't have any, as many laptop memes last season. There you go. That says it all. So everyone was so likable. And I thought, oh, it'd be great to get a break, let our players actually get a long break here because they don't normally get it. I am so over it. I want football back already. Like, <laughs> here going. I'm missing my, my 2 a, my two a.m. get up to watch a game. Like, come on. It's, yeah. I'm missing it. Like, I just want to see I just want to see Celtic play again. That's that, that simple. I'm hanging out. It's like what three weeks or something until the next practice game. Yes, I'm counting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, yeah. It's a feeling that we're certainly itching to get to get back into into place. And like you say, that I, I said this all along about the whole laptop meme and stuff with Gordon uh, Gordon Strachan with um, with Gavin Strachan. People only take the mic out of things that stand out. If it's not working, if it's working, then suddenly the laptop becomes not a big deal. Um, the only reason people were jumping on that particular bandwagon is because things weren't working and they needed something to blame. So, um, you know, they'll find something else if it starts to go wrong. But at the moment, we we ride the wave while it's while while the going's good, and having Ange there to to lead the way is is certainly something that I can't complain about. Um, we're going to end the show today so thanks to Tony and Jared for your time but just before we go just wanted to pass on our condolences Frank Kennedy has says can I just pass on my condolences to the Celtic fanatic Ellen Cassidy who went to Las Vegas on a Celtic convention and has passed away with terminal cancer at sad age of 54 any of our friends or family are watching obviously everybody at Axom sends on their condolences uh, 54 I'm sure as most people would agree is no age and uh, whether you're a Celtic supporter or not, um, it wouldn't be human uh, not to um, pass on your condolences and thoughts to the family. So um, all the best to everybody watching who's been affected by that. Um, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Jared. Uh, thank you, everybody in the comments. There's been a fantastic conversation about films going on in the comments, which I would have loved to get involved in, but we're here about to talk about football. Maybe there will be a film podcast one day that we can get into more depth than that, but uh, we will wait and see. Tony, thanks for joining me. Jared, thanks for joining me. We will see everybody very, very soon. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. 
people all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data q3 2022 and cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.